here we are. The beautiful Shannon is live with us from America. Whereabouts are you in Tennessee? That's it. Absolutely beautiful. What what's called the Great Smoky Mountains area. So it's it's beautiful. We're about two hours from Nashville. I know that y'all probably heard about Nashville. And I've been to Nashville. Oh, you have. Yes, I had my best holiday ever in Nashville. People in the group will know. Um, well, some of them may know. I actually got to see One Direction live, free, oh, right. free oh, as well. Because oh, we went down to the tourist information office mm-hmm. on the Tuesday afternoon, or the Tuesday morning rather, in Nashville, and um, they said, "Oh, you can see Carrie Underwood, or you can see One Direction." I'm like. Oh my God, either Carrie Underwood was at the Grand Ole Opry. Um, and it was like, well, we were planning on going there anyway. Mm-hmm. And One Direction were at the soccer stadium. It was like, oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? Um, and at that very moment, they said, that's it, all the Carrie Underwood tickets have gone sold out. Looks like you'll be seeing One Direction. Well, I nearly fainted. <laughs> I nearly passed out. It was hilarious. I mean, it was a hundred degree heat because it does get very hot around there anyway, doesn't it? So you're are you near Dollywood then? Is Dollywood near? Yes. Yep. We oh have my passes. Yep. It is one of the best amusement parks. It's just so it's like you're going to Dolly's backyard. It's so it's so fun. So it's oh my goodness. Oh, I love you even more than I already did. <laughs> Come and visit. I got a place to stay for you. <gasps> We'll go to Dollywood together. Oh, that, that would be event. amazing. That would yeah. be anyway. We're not here to talk about Dolly. We're here to talk about yeah. you. <laughs> Shannon Ham Hamaker. Hamaker. Yeah, That's how you pronounce it, it isn't it? Mm-hmm. We have had our conversations before. We have had a brief chat, and I came on to your podcast, which I was extremely mm-hmm. grateful for. In fact, I think a few ladies have come into this Facebook group as a result of that. So thank you for that. And now mm-hmm. I was so desperate to get you into my Facebook group, so desperate that the technology all went wrong. Um, But we are here now. So tell us, I did a little bit of an intro, didn't I, and said that there were certain challenges that you'd gone through to get you to where you are now. So Mm -hmm. tell us what you do. Okay, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for joining my podcast. I had at least I had several messages. I think I had at least three or four people that said, I love her. I want to join her group. And so thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom from across the pond. It was, it was great to hear the feedback that landed for some people, you know, despite living in such different places and, um, and, you know, just being in different phases of our life that people can still relate to you. So being able to share your story, just, keeps giving other women permission to share their story so I really oh it's beautiful isn't it it really is lovely so thank you for that yeah so I am a relationship coach and a sexual health educator and so I help people understand their body their anatomy and how to talk about it how to talk about what their desires are and this started as kind of a it was you know after after I graduated from college, I worked in the social service field and I worked with kids in group homes and doing outdoor programming and things like that. So I love working with kids, but at one point in time, I thought I might want to be a marriage therapist because I thought it was just so fascinating that everyone has sex. Everyone has the the plumbing for 
you know, for relationships, for intimacy, for sexuality, but it was something that people rarely talked about. And when I was little, I noticed a big difference when I moved from one part of the country, I lived in California and they have very comprehensive, you know, very fact-based sex education then. And it still wasn't to where it needed to be, but it was just it was helpful for me to understand my body at that time. Like I knew what to expect for menstruating and things like that. And then I moved to Tennessee, which we call as the buckle of the Bible belt where it's clear, it's either not talked about at all, or it's just like, don't do it. You know? And I noticed a big difference in my peers and in, in the lack of conversations and understanding that they were asking me questions about sexuality. So I had this opportunity to, to, become a, um, is what's called a pure romance consultant here in the States. And I basically would take, it's like Tupperware, but with products like lubricants and enhancement creams and, you know, talking like kind of going back and sharing these things, sharing this information that we all wish we would have learned. And it turned out that the most comfortable place for these women was in their friend's living room to hear about this stuff. I just imagine if people thought they were going to a Tupperware pot. Yes. <laughs> and that happened so much where women were like, okay, this is Tina. She doesn't know why she's here, but she needs to be here. We drug her here. So just <laughs> your heads up. She doesn't know what we're talking about. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. So it was, it was such a great lesson. I was so honored to be able to be in people's homes all over the U S talking about sexuality and hearing the stories. And what I was met with was often like, how can I, how can I make it go faster? How can I tolerate it? What's wrong with like, what's normal? What's wrong with my body? It wasn't in a space of like, what is possible? What Mm -hmm. is, what what are all the pleasures that I can experience? What's, you know, how it, it was more of like, how can I please him? How can I get this over with? And you know, through the course of 15, 16, 17 years, I would touch on those little things. And then I thought, okay, it's not just lubricants. It's not just toys that are going to help these people. I want to dig deeper. And it wasn't until I had some serious problems with my marriage where my husband was having some struggles with depression and I was trying to fix, I was trying to figure out what was wrong with him. And in that, in that research, it ended up being kind of like me search where I realized, oh, there's some stuff going on with him, but I can't do anything about that. I've got to take care of myself. And it was right about that time of perimenopause where I was 40, 41, where I just started to, it was almost like the brakes were put on. And I would just was like, where am I? What, how did I get here? I'm living this life with two kids and you know, very hustle focused. And I just felt like I I didn't, I wasn't living within my values. Mm -hmm. And I went to, I went to therapy like you do and, um, highly recommend it because it was funny. I thought I don't really have anything to talk about, but after I left, it was just this big awareness of like, almost like an upheaval of things that were not resolved that have been pushed aside for so long. And now this stage of perimenopause is like, you can't ignore this anymore. And you can't blame it on your husband anymore. You can't blame it on your kids. You can't fix other people because you've got to be taken care of. So I remember coming home and my husband was like, 
what is going on? Because I just, I just was like, I'm, I'm just not living my values. I don't, I'm not living my values. These aren't my values. And he was just like, what are you talking about? Like, I thought we were in this together. So it was through the course of, you know, getting a coaching certification and healing the um, traumas you were talking about trauma, like healing the traumas that had come to the surface. And I know that that's, that's what this time is all about is, you know, having, creating a space for yourself to be able to work through the things that you pushed off for so long. And as scary as it can be, it's so, it's so life-giving and it's, it's, uh, it can shift the second half of your life and give you this whole new awareness on the other side of it. So I just, like you say, I mean, midlife is magic, isn't it? Midlife can oh, be yes. magical. And, yes. and I'm so pleased that you're talking without me even asking anything about the trauma, about not the research, but the me-search and the value in making time for yourselves or ourselves as a collective and as individuals because, you know, in the group, I can sit and talk all day long about it. But until somebody else puts a different perspective on it or puts it in slightly different language, it possibly doesn't even resonate with people. And the other thing that you said is about you didn't really think that you had much to talk about when you went for the counseling, you went for the therapy. You don't know what you don't know, though. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you start actually unraveling some of the things that are there that you don't realize are there, it's a whole different world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There's so much behind it. Yeah. So much awareness. And, yeah. So um, for you, there was something additional as well, wasn't there? In, if you don't mind me saying about the alcohol as well. So quite recently yeah. changed yeah. that as well. Yeah. So in, in that, the course of trying to figure things out, I, I kept, trying things externally. So, you know, 2016, 2017, I, I would do a new exercise program. I would do, you know, and I would force my body and try and push on and do all this, like all these masculine energy type of things, which (laughs) was a lot of fun, but that's not what I needed. And, um, you know, the, the coping skill of choice was, was alcohol and busyness. Like alcohol was my, my emotional, like in my hand, you know, it was something that I would hold in my hand. It muted the discomfort that I had of what I thought were negative feelings, but those feelings were just there trying to teach me something. So I was trying to mute these feelings. And so I, I read a book called this naked mind where she basically kind of dispels the myths of, you know, if, if you've been told that it helps you have a better sex life, that's not necessarily true. And it, and it talks about how, you know, if you, if you think it makes you more fun, weren't you fun before? And I started thinking, yeah, I was, I was, Mm -hmm. I am fun when I'm sober. I'm fun. I was fun in high school and in college before I started drinking. Oh, there's my son. There's my 10 year old. (laughs) 10 minutes late. We could have done with you a few minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) So noticing that, and then the biggest thing, it's funny that he should enter in at this time, but you know, the biggest, um, shift in understanding all of this. And the, the thing that really motivated me to keep digging was understanding that whatever I didn't figure out, they would, they would carry on through our you know legacy. And that was not what I wanted to leave. So I realized how much more present I was and 
able to have clarity, which, you know, midlife clarity, I love, I love the name of your group too, (laughs) but that, that ultimately was an interesting like layer to take off and say, who is Shannon without this crutch of alcohol? And turns out I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm fun. I'm you you fun. have got some really funny social media posts, I must admit. The things okay. that you have done in supermarkets with your boys and or the, the kids and you know, you just get out there and you live a real full life now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. That's I try to and I try to be as authentic as possible, you know. Sorry. I've got my my pups are here too. I saw your sweet <laughs> Your sweet dogs, but yeah, we, we, we are really, you know, we, we do now, now live through our values. You know, it's Mm -hmm. been a process of, um, after the alcohol was gone, really trying to decide, do I want to stay with my husband? Does he want to stay with me? Is this where we want to be? And we recommitted two years ago and said, yeah, this is, this is the path we want to take. But there was this time where we kind of looked and said, is this the end of our relationship? Has it served us to this point to where now we can still love each other as co-parents, but, but we, we want different things. And it turns Mm -hmm. out we we want the same thing, or, you know, we have our individual values, but as a, as a family and as a partnership, we decided that that compassion, gratitude, health, and experiences are kind of our guiding values. So we know moving forward, you know, is this going to add to, add to our health? Is this going to add to this compassion for the interconnectedness of like the people that we live around, you know? So it's, it's been fun to, to be able to reconnect on that level together as well. Do you think you would have reached that without the therapy? Cause I know you said straight away, highly recommended. Do you think you would have got to that point or would it have been completely different? Do you think? It was a part of the pie for sure. I had several pieces and I'm so grateful for the work that I did at the time because I had access and I had the ability to go to a training and then, you know, write it off as a, as a work trip and then (laughs) use it, use this training for the, the greater good of my business. So it was a major part for sure, but is it a must? You know, I've heard some people say it just wasn't a good fit for them, but I don't think, I I don't think you need to do it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I I think with everything that that we both do and, you know, particularly hitting the midlife phase, it's just such a difficult, complex time. Mm -hmm. Nobody is the same as anybody else. You know, not one person is the same as anybody else with everything we are going through hormonally, emotionally, mentally, physically, you know, you have to do what is right for you. Mm -hmm. And it might take some time to find the right thing for you to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I mean, we we each see women coming to us with different things, different symptoms, I'll say, different presenting problems, as we've we've called them before. Um, but there is so much hidden under the surface, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so when ladies come to you, what do they tend to be coming to you for initially before they then realize there is a whole lot of other stuff to investigate here? 
Yeah. Normally it's, I know there's more, but I don't know what the more is and I don't know how to find it. Yeah. So it's, I want more passion. I want more connection with my partner. Sometimes it still is. I want to tolerate it. Like I recently had someone and I'm like, my heart, like to know that someone's been married for 15 years, 16 years, 20, and they are, are wanting to tolerate sex. And I'm like, no, you know, let's, let's figure out how you can, um, have this be a spiritual part a connection with not only yourself, but to, you know, to your, your creator, whatever you believe in God source. And, and then also this connection that you, you can have with your partner and the, the pleasure that's available to you. And I, I find that once they learn how much they've tamped down their access to pleasure, you know, it's, it's finding little ways of just moving their body and reconnecting to their body and understanding that it was made for pleasure. It's like pleasure is our birthright. And in a, in a culture, we have learned to, to tamp that down and kind of match a masculine energy to get stuff done and push through and to, to have that very like moving forward motion instead of just being able to settle in and, and hear what the best, the next best move is for you, you know, trusting your intuition. And so that that's usually what they come to me for. And then it's this exploration of emotion and physical connection to their body. You know, part of it is understanding, like looking, could you, could you find your, your vulva in a lineup? Like if you had like a wall of vulvas, could you be like, there she is. I know her from a mile away. And knowing that that's a source of connection and, and intuition that has not been tapped into yeah. and that, you know, that sexual growth and that personal development, the sexual development in itself has been such a, a life-giving source for, for myself. Like I, even doing what I did for so long and talking about the importance of lubricants and things like that, mm-hmm. I was just scratching the surface. And now in this time of perimenopause, it's been like, there are so many cool things that you, and you might've recognized it three years ago. You might not recognize it now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. She's a whole new, she's got all kinds of yeah, extra bedazzled stuff going on. (laughs) Oh, I think that's hilarious. There's there's something else that you said when we were having a chat on your podcast um, about the don't vibe and drive or don't Mm. drive and vibe, whichever way around you said it. I mean, <laughs> don't vibe and just, drive. that was it, wasn't it? Don't vibe and drive. Yeah, it's yeah. it's something that the people in this group will probably be shocked to be hearing us talk about. But actually, I almost think it does need to be spoken about because it is a part of being human at the end of the day. Like you say, pleasure is it's it's a God given right. You know, we all have the right to enjoy our lives in whatever way, shape or form. There could be some people that say, I can't handle this. I'm leaving the group. And that's absolutely fine. It might just not be for them. But being open about it, us Brits in particular, and by the sounds of it, the people in Tennessee, um, we are so kind of prudish when it comes to talking about it. Mm -hmm. And certainly when it gets to this point in life, the blocks come up, the barriers come up. We step back from enjoying our lives, don't we, in so many ways, not in every way, but in so many ways. So for you to be doing that and encouraging women to, to get back to, 
acknowledge their body, recognize their body, make the most of their body and do all they can with it. I just think it's phenomenal. I think it's amazing. Good. Yeah, I love to hear that. I love to hear the perspective of what it's like there as well. I think sometimes that have this idea that, you know, Europeans across the board are are like way more open. And I know that's just not the case. So I hope that people that are hearing this, you know, whenever I was doing this work, I would have that ping of like, Ooh, that is not for me, or that's bad. Or why does she dress that way? Those kinds of responses Mm -hmm. I learned to kind of sit with and go, where did I learn that? That shame, you know, behind every should is a shame. And a lot of people that, that if you sit with the shame that you feel, you can realize that that's not yours. That's something that's, that's been put on you, you know, maybe through church or through parents or through culture, you know, like I should be this way, or I feel ashamed when I, when I act so sexual, like when I, you know, live into this possibility of being desirable and feel sexy in my skin, then being able to sit with that and be like, okay, that is not, that's not mine to carry. Mm. And I can put this over here and continue this journey to learn what feels good. What, what do I really enjoy? Mm-hmm. Because at this time the, the rates are going up. I mean, if you look at, you know, you look at the golden girls in the eighties and nineties versus sex in the city, the idea of, of post-menopause is, is shifting and it's, yeah. Um, you know, moving to this place of like wisdom and, and, and being able to embrace what you want to do and how you want to dress. And it's such a cool moment to have that, to feel empowered and to be able to help be a guiding force for the future generation that is going to go through this and, and honor the beautiful experience that it is and just know that it's a part of the season of life and not it doesn't have to be something that's feared you know that's a brilliant way of saying it actually it is a season in life isn't it you know everything will pass everything is seasonal it is transformational um and and we are quite lucky actually now that we do have a few of the big celebrities who are really jumping on board with the perimenopause the menopause post-menopause state um and you know they are really raising and heightening the awareness of it but there is still so much work that we can do even in recognizing and understanding the different things that go along with menopause as well Mm -hmm. so just something that came into my head then as you were talking was about the empowerment and we do lose our sense of empowerment we lose a sense of confidence because we've kind of lost ourselves somewhere along the way for for many different reasons what would you say is one big whopper of a piece of advice that you could give to ladies who who do feel completely disempowered now and who want to get back out there and feel attractive mm-hmm. what things could they be doing I think understanding the history and mystery of menopause can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Understanding how it really is kind of a, um, like in in a patriarchy kind of way, uh, but 
I hate to say that it's like, it's men doing all this. Cause that's not what it was. I think, yeah. you know, in the spirit of, of the patriarchy, it was like, let's fix these problems. So when there's a problem and you look at the history of menopause and typically most men were in the medical field or even in the psychology field, there was a quick response of, Oh, let's try this. Let's try this remedy. Let's do this. And, you know, even just the history of the vibrator is fascinating Mm -hmm. because the history of the vibrator, it was, it was invented in the late 1800s and it was invented for women who had what was called hysteria. And and there's a great movie with Maggie Gyllenhaal. It was like this fictitious love story version of how the vibrator was invented, but you know, they would go, these women would go little high society. You have to think they're wearing these tight corsets. They, they had a hard time even breathing, much less feeling sexual and being able to like move. And, and they only had sex for procreation purposes for the most part. And it wasn't for pleasure, certainly not. So they would go to the doctor and complain of headaches and they would complain of being, uh, you know, having night sweats. And basically it was like the perimenopause stage and they would use their hands to stimulate these women on the clitoral area, because, you know, 80, 80 to 85% of women need some type of clitoral stimulation to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. So if they were having sex at all. There was most likely not an orgasm, especially if you're not like comfortable So they would go to the doctor and the doctors would manually stimulate them with their hands. And that got to be tedious. So they invented the vibrator to speed things along and women then started using them as an appliance. And I've got one downstairs. It's so funny. I'll post a picture of it later, but if you just type in antique massager or antique vibrator, you'll see it was um, very industrial looking and you would have a picture of a woman holding it in the Sears and Roebuck catalog. And it would say something like, brings blood to the surface and puts a natural glow about your skin. It was a health and beauty aid. It wasn't anything sexual. It had to be done to make mama happy. And as we say here in the South, like, cause if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that just understanding like little pieces of history like that, like that whole experience of like men being like, Oh, we can fix this. We will create a product that we can sell. And meanwhile, if they were just told, you know what, your hands and some lubricant and just feel like what feels good to you and having, having some time with yourself to figure out what was going on with your body could have been a lot more healing than just an appliance. Yeah. And it would have cost a lot less to create. Yes. 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 (laughs) Albeit it wouldn't create quite so much profit, but you know, there you go. It's not all about the money, (laughs) is it? Yeah, right. Or would it? Because if we were all like self-aware and self-actualized, would we, would we have a more, a different functioning society? That's something to think about. Yeah. I think that that is one thing to understand is like the history and, and the, it's almost like extra, like weights that have been added to what you're carrying, but mm-hmm. understanding that you're in a place of, of a wealth of information and a wealth of support, even if it's on zoom or online, we, we can figure this out, out together. And I think that's how I found you as I was just looking for menopause groups to hear what struggles people were having and what things are helping them and just giving support. Because when, you know, back 
in the cave people days, they would have each other and they would have each other to, to, to figure out what was going to happen next and what were the seasons of life and helping each other through these experiences. And even like the menstrual cycle, like understanding that there's seasons to the menstrual cycle and that mm. they would have like a tent where all the women would go and hang out together during that experience. And, and so kind of going back to those roots of what is it that you really need? It's probably yeah. not, it's probably not a vibrator. It's probably something a little more, um, intuitive, you know? So that would be, I would say one is understanding the history and then the second thing is understanding the difference between the masculine energy and the feminine energy. <gasps> that is definitely another conversation for another day because that's huge. Absolutely. In fact, I don't even think I've ever got on to talking about masculine versus feminine energy within the group. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so helpful just understanding. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk to my sort of one-to-one clients about it because you see it so much. The lifestyle could be so different mm -hmm. if you understand the differences between the two or the connections between the two, whichever. And I mean, I was 26 years in corporate finance, masculine energy, like at least 70, 80%, probably even more. Um, and when you're dominated by that, when you are surrounded by that, you do lose your identity. So even thinking of the jobs that people do, um, so many ladies in this group as well, they have children that play football. They go and happily watch football themselves. They are football fans, but even that's all masculine driven. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the world is so incredibly, well, it would be a different place altogether, wouldn't it? I mean, we've just got a, 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 lovely, a lovely female prime minister at the same time as the king came along replacing the queen. Um, yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see how that combination works. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's absolutely huge. And we could talk all day and probably all week about that, couldn't we? So that would be really good to get you to come back and talk about that. Um, if you wouldn't mind doing that, because that would be amazing, wouldn't it? To, to discover, mm -hmm. you know, what we can cover. <laughs> but no. <laughs> cover and uncover probably yeah. easy to say what we couldn't cover in about a 40 minute session really isn't it that's yes. yeah yeah I know we could probably talk all day but yes yeah I think I think that understanding that that just being in and feeling that flow of like what fem feminine energy is and and if someone if you your people are in a relationship understanding that it's not a gender thing, but, you know, masculine and feminine energy are, are both important for, for all humans. But if they are with, with a man understanding that, like I, I was stepping on my husband's masculine energy. I wasn't leaving him space. Yeah. You know, I was making decisions for him. I was doing things for him. And he just was like, kind of along for the ride. So for me to step back and kind of soften, there was more polarity and more, more, um, desire for each mm -hmm. other. We found that space of like, Ooh, I can just be, and I can be held. And there's still times where I can hold a masculine energy for him. And, you know, when he's having struggles with, 
work or family or something and and we're having a conversation i can hold a space for space for him like that too but in the end when there's that polarity and he steps into that like whenever he's assertive and he tells me what he wants his past uh, his past patterns have been to just kind of do whatever and merge with whatever everybody else wants because it was easy and he grew up in kind of a volatile home. So that was his way of, of dealing with it. So now when he steps into that and he's like, actually, I think we should do this. I'll be like, Oh, you are so hot when you're. <laughs> so, Tell me what you want, baby. Right. <laughs> Tell me. So it's, it's fun to, to, play around with. So just being curious with the history and understanding your feminine energy and just giving yourself some space to figure it out and just breathe. I think being curious in general about ourselves now, mm-hmm. because we lose that, we lose the interest, don't we? Yeah. And, and actually there's so much to unravel and so much to discover about ourselves. And, and it's that work has to come first before we can start looking outside instead of as you said earlier you're constantly looking for external confirmation Mm -hmm. and external permission Mm -hmm. and it it shouldn't come from anywhere else it should come from internally first yeah yeah and that goes for when you know the medical community is so helpful however they learn very little about menopause and what the reproductive system is going through once we get once we have babies they're on to, to surgical stuff like pelvic floor surgery and things like that. Yeah. At least here in the, in the U S that's the focus of the medical community. And, you know, I recently went to, I'm looking for someone, a, a GYN, a gynecologist that is, is specific to menopause. Mm-hmm. And I asked if they had like classes or something that would help inform clients so that I could, you know, pass clients along there. And she said, well, yeah. we don't, I don't really have any events. I mean, we have like a Botox place next door that we have Botox parties. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to poo-poo Botox yeah. because if it, you know, if that's something that people enjoy, but there's so much more to feeling confident and sexy through this experience than just getting Botox. I think that's the thing now, isn't it? People are going for a more holistic, natural healing approach. Mm-hmm. And what can we do ourselves rather than relying on anything, drugs that we have to to fill ourselves up with or anything that is from external, from external, anything that comes externally. Yeah. You know, how long is that sustainable for as well? Right. If we know ourselves and understand ourselves, understand our bodies, we will last so much longer. Mm -hmm. We will be able to do so much more. And it's literally at your fingertips. <laughs> Forgive the pun. <laughs> <laughs> there had to be a pun somewhere coming out. Oh, yes. It? No, it is, it is very much welcome. I love puns. <laughs> I would love to have you come back into the group. In fact, as, again, as we were just talking, I'm already thinking, right, okay. So we have ladies in the group who are in partnerships, relationships, married. We also have people who are single, I am sure with the wonders of Facebook, now that you can post anonymously into groups that we will have some questions coming in. I can't see them for some reason at the moment. I can't see any comments. Um, However, 
I wonder if people might be um, up for posting questions, if they can post anonymously, that would be amazing. Um, But also we could actually have a Zoom, like a a um, Mm Q&A or a a help, help us out kind of Zoom. I'll see what people think, what the reaction is to that and whether people are brave enough to do it because we could have a few drinks and, you know, we could have a bit of a girly night in a chat. And oh, yeah. Who knows what would fun. happen. You would love that. I know you would. And I would be really grateful. I think, you know, this group is a safe place to be. The mm-hmm. Facebook group is a safe place to be. It is somewhere where we do create space for each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, we all like to bring some humour, and that is what I quite often do. Um, But there are some really serious topics to talk through as well, some serious conversations that we can have. And any help that people are looking for, please reach out and let us know. And your podcast, just remind me of the name of your podcast, because I love it in your accent. It's called Sexually Speaking with Shannon. So (laughs) I'll post post the link. And I am in the midst of construction. We are revamping the branding and the, I just got some pictures done and I'm getting some new audio equipment. So it's, um, yeah, but your, your interview is still on there and that was a fantastic interview. So sexually speaking with Shannon, I'll put the link in the group. Beautiful. So please have a listen to that listeners. Um, it has been wonderful speaking with you again, Shannon, it really yes. has. And we will continue these conversations. I have no doubt whatsoever. So please let so. us know if you have any questions, everybody. Um, and let's get Shannon back on again in some point in the future. <laughs> Gladly. Thank you, Joe. You're very welcome. Have a lovely weekend. You too. And we will catch up with you very soon. Okay. Lots of love. Mwah, mwah.